It's Monday, September 22nd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman. Happy Monday, gents. Hello there. As I said last Monday, boy, September in D.C. <laughs> the weather this weekend. Yeah, it's been stellar. It's been fantastic. Uh, once again, it is a mailbag Monday. You can always email us. Radio at fool.com is our email address. And on Twitter, we are at MarketFoolery. Uh, let's get right to the questions. A uh, question from Jake on Twitter. Technically, his handle is at JakeGeekTech. Uh, can you explain special maintenance requirement? I went to buy shares of Invencense and saw that it had an SMR of 50%, which scared me off. Uh, I'll be honest, Jason. This is the first time I've seen this for a special. What you, first of all, what is a special maintenance requirement? Okay, so that's a good question. And typically what that refers to is uh, if you are trading on margin in your account. So unless you're using margin in your account, then that doesn't really matter. And margin is when you're borrowing money to buy more stocks. And so the, the special maintenance uh, requirement uh, or the separate maintenance requirement is – uh, it's the minimum amount of equity that must be maintained in your margin account. So, you know, when you buy a stock on margin, uh, the rules require you to have at least 25% of the total market value of the securities in your margin account at all times. So, the 25% there is called the maintenance requirement. And oftentimes, you'll see brokerages require much higher thresholds, depending on the stock you know, as well. So, it could be 30, 40, and I think that Jake was noting here that in his case, it was 50. And so, I think the way – let's break this down into a real-life example – and I'm going to give you an example that is straight off of the SEC website. And so, uh, you know, we'll give you the link to that website after I finish this. But, but let's just use this as an example to give you a better idea. Let's say you purchase $16,000 worth of securities. And you do that by borrowing 8000 on margin and paying 8000 in cash. So, if the market value of those securities that started at 16000 drops to 12000 then the equity in your account falls to 4000 That's because you have the $12,000 that it's worth now minus the $8,000, which equals $4,000. That you borrowed. Right. And so, if you have if – you, if your firm has – so, you have $4,000 in equity. And if you have – if your firm is requiring 25%, Okay, so then 25% of 12,000 is 3,000. Well, you have 4,000. You've met that threshold there with 25%. Uh, percent. Now, in, in the case with Invencents, for example, at 50%, uh, you, would, you would have a problem, right? In 50%, you, 50% of $12,000 is $6,000, and you would not meet that threshold. And so if you're not meeting that threshold, then your brokerage can basically they can do what's called a margin call. They can, they can require you to sell securities in order to get your account back to, uh, back to an acceptable acceptable threshold. Uh, and so I had no idea we were going to be doing so much math today. Well, it yeah. is a lot of math. I'm a That's why confused I, at the moment. I want to tweet. I want to make sure you get the link to go look at this too, because I think it's really it's helpful to be able to read it and see it. Uh, the link is www.sec.gov forward slash investor forward slash pubs p u b s forward slash Margin. Wow. Dot htm. How about you tweet that out? We'll tweet that Market out. Market will tweet it out <laughs> um, as well. But but I think this really all lends itself to to the the reason why we really don't you know use margin very often. I mean, if, if you're going to use an option strategy, uh, you know, you may actually have to use margin. If you're going to be shorting stocks, and you're going to have to you know have a margin account there. But we there are reasons why you don't want to use margin. I mean, you can certainly lose more money than you've invested. Um, you could have a margin call, which forces you to sell stocks and and, and selling them at depressed levels. 
level, so you're losing money there. Um, it, it's just it's a way that some investors use um, additional leverage to try to juice up their returns, but nothing is ever certain in life. And so for me personally, like I don't even I don't even have a margin account. I don't I don't need it. I don't use it. I don't want it because I feel like uh, you can find yourself in a in a pickle if you're not careful. Do you think if you read that to Siri, she'd be able to go to the right website? I don't know. We should try that out. <laughs> sure. should test that. Uh, let's move on to the energy sector. A question from Nathaniel Johnson. What is going on at Carbo Ceramics? I don't see fracking going away, but they've had a huge drop. Uh, this is a stock, Taylor, in the summer was trading somewhere north of $140 a share. Where is it at today? It's come down from that. It's right around 70 Yeah, it's yeah. about 50% in the last three months have been lopped off uh, of the price. And largely because, you know, you look at some of its peers that deal in sand for propens, they basically uh, use train loads of this per well. And the uh, business of carboceramics, I mean, very much tied to fracking. Oh, yeah, um, almost 100%. You look at them producing ceramic uh, propens, which um, about three times more expensive, but they do produce much higher yields. They're able to be used in deeper wells offshore as well. Um, they're much more consistent. They don't crush as easily as sand. Uh but because they are three times more expensive, companies on the drilling side are starting to experiment using more sand in their wells rather than the ceramic propens. Um, you see about two-thirds of the revenue coming from the Bakken, which is uh, one of the more prolific plays at the moment right now. But because it has been growing so quickly, uh, you've seen the growth percentage-wise taper off a little bit up there. So um, carboceramics is being impacted negatively as a as a result. One of the things that was, uh, in my mind, a red flag for this company was the reliance on on that singular field for so much of its business. That being said, I think uh, with this huge pullback that you've seen recently, um, it could be a good. I, it's something I, it's piqued my interest because of the ability for it to be used in deeper, uh, harsher environment wells like offshore and outside of the United States. Once fracking does pick up there, so. This could be a great time for investors that have been thinking about it to actually take a closer look because uh, of that, I mean, 50% in three months while it's sand-based peers. Uh, let's see, you've got High Crush Partners up 11% over that time frame and U.S. Silica up 30% over that time frame. So complete mirror opposites um, just because of the different products that they're selling. We, we talked to um, Floyd Wilson last summer. He's the CEO and founder of Halcone Resources, and he was talking about carboceramics as them using them solely up in their wells in the Bakken and new wells that they're drilling down in the Tuscaloosa Marine Shale. So companies are buying into this. It's just uh, seeing a slowdown a little bit more so than its sand-based peers because it is more expensive. And we were talking earlier today, this is a stock that if you look at it in the summer, this it kind of got ahead of itself relative mm -hmm. to its peers. Um, and and uh, something our colleague uh, Tim Hansen down at Molly Full Funds had pointed out, um, there was an article in July where it was basically about how mutual funds in particular were mm -hmm. just really piling into carboceramics. And one of the quotes from Tim was, you know, essentially like, we like this stock. We like this company. We're not buying at this level, right. though. You know, a, a buying op is coming. It's fairly um, prescient because that's about three months ago. So yeah. it's then sold off 50%. So um, I think he mentions they started buying it right around 60 bucks. So there's still... In the in the green on that investment, uh, depending on where they've bought since then, but um, I would probably imagine they are looking to buy some more right about now. How much more consolidation do you think we're going to see, particularly when it comes to the fracking industry? 
Uh, for these guys, I don't know if there'll be any consolidation at all in the profit market. Um, you've seen some moratoriums in the areas up in Minnesota and uh, Wisconsin where a lot of this frac sand does come from because it is a dirty process like any mining really is. So you've seen uh, the the demand for sand keep rising, but the supply a little bit on the lower side. So I think that's one of the reasons why those producers have been doing really well. Um, Canadian Rail uh, has been growing in the prop and business mining it and distributing it so maybe they buy up a small producer because they've seen such good um, growth from that area but as far as the the services companies right now i don't see much consolidation uh the the drillers and exploration side most definitely but not so much on the the services side from nicholas fox uh question any chance you could discuss webmd they seem to be killing it and i'd love to hear your take uh, it's a healthcare information services company, so I'm, I'm assuming is. he meant they're killing it in the good way, <laughs> not, in the, not in the bad way. Um, but uh, from the standpoint of the stock itself, it really has been doing wonders over the last, I mean, pick your time frame, you know, year to date, one, two years. Um, is this, uh, well, first let's talk about the business. Is this a business that interests you? Um, it It could be. Really quick, I just want to circle back to Jake one last time, just to kind of you know, bring this bring this home in English. Uh, Invencense is a stock that I own personally, uh, and so That's I, right. I want to make sure talk, that he we understands. We didn't actually talk about Invencense. Well, I want to make sure that he understands that when you see that that fifty percent maintenance, if he's just going to buy the stock with money in his account, not on margin, that that shouldn't concern him at all, because all that is is just the brokerage's take on a stock that's going to be a bit more volatile. It's a small cap, you know. Company that, that you know is is making accelerometers and, and gyroscopes that go on phones and devices, and so it's just a it's a more volatile, riskier investment. But if he's just looking, if he's interested in shares and wants to buy them just with with cash that he has in his account, not using any margin, then, then that that fifty percent number shouldn't concern him at all. Um, Do you think that's a benefit to a shareholder of a company to to make sure that the shareholders that are using margin are going to be held accountable more so, a fifty percent versus thirty percent? I think that with Invencense, it's probably I think I think it's reasonable at fifty percent. I mean, I think it's one that is is going to be. Uh, there's been a lot of noise out there in, in regard to its status with the new iPhones and how many you know how many uh, sockets they maintain in those phones right there. And if if bad news hits, I mean, today I think is a good example. There was a downgrade. I think Baird downgraded Invencense this morning. Uh, the stock was down somewhere around like nine percent or so. I you know I, I tend to look at that and think, wow, that's that's a bit of an overreaction in, in my book, but. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's a small cap tech stock. Those are just notoriously going to be more volatile and a little bit of a riskier bet. And so that the brokerage wants to make sure they have their butts covered. That's understandable. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, moving on to WebMD, uh, this is it's, it's definitely an interesting story. I've looked at it more than once um, as a potential idea for services here. And I'll just go ahead and say this. I mean, at you know, the the valuation of the company today is twenty four times free cash flow and sixty six times earnings, and that would that would have me not buying the stock that today on frothy. valuation. <laughs> on. It, it is, it is frothy. And I mean, you know, when I look at companies like this, the first thing I want to understand is, you know, what do they do? Um, and, and I mean, this is you know, this is a web company. They have websites where they basically communicate all sorts of different health information for consumers like you and me, and for physicians and, and other healthcare professionals. Um, and so, it, you know, it is definitely a name that I think a lot of people are very familiar with. 
but then you want to f- try to figure out, okay, exactly how do they make their money? And in their case, most of their money is made via advertising. And uh, they do have a small sliver of the business that comes uh, from subscription services that they provide to healthcare professionals and, and whatnot. But the breakdown there is about 84% of their sales come from advertising, the other 16% from those subscriptions. The advertising segment of the business is certainly the part of the business that's growing faster. And it grew about uh, 10% last year versus about 4.5% for the subscription business. So, you know, advertising is it's a, it's a bit lumpy, you know, it can kind of depend on, you know, where the eyeballs are going. And so, I mean, it, it does seem like the eyeballs are going to WebMD. Um, you know, if you look at just the mobile presence alone, I mean, they, they've really done a good job, I think, promoting the mobile presence. And, uh, you know, it, it, almost 50% of the page view traffic this most recent quarter was via mobile device. So, they're taking they're taking on that mobile front. And they, see, they, they see the return there. Uh, because that's that's how people are accessing you know the the internet these days. They they maintain a strong social media presence with Twitter and Facebook. They have more than uh, one million Twitter followers and more than seven hundred thousand likes on his Facebook page. You're probably going to find their magazine in virtually every physician's office around the country. Um, according to Comscore, it is the number twenty seven of the top one hundred web properties. Insiders own four and a half percent of the shares, and it's a good cash flow rich business. There are a lot of qualities there that that, that I like about it. Um, but it also is very dependent on search results, right? So when yeah. you enter, you know, health into Google, for example, the first thing that comes up is health.com, not not WebMD. Um, they do have about a billion dollars in debt on the balance sheet with some of that coming due here in the next few years. Now, they can offset that with about $750 million in, in cash and short-term investments, which is good. Uh, I think one of the biggest concerns here is misinformation could lead to some serious litigation here. I mean, as, as as the Internet has brought information to everyone's fingertips, I mean, you could kind of go in there and find the answer to pretty much anything you want, right? But if if, if someone goes in there to try to find an, an answer to a to a health-related question or side effects from medicine or something like that, and, and whoops, they, they got one wrong, I mean, that, that could be a serious problem. Um, the, the last, I would say over the last three years on a couple of occasions... I've had a conversation with my doctor that kind of went like this. Yeah, so I was researching this on the internet and just cut to my doctor. Just you know, he had thirty you know, different you know, diseases. Just like you know, <laughs> rolling his country. eyes. Like, oh come on, just you know, you can tell that my doctor's like, just stay off the internet, yeah, please don't. Hypochondriacs beware. That's the kind of reaction I see with a lot of real estate agents in Zillow. Yeah, you go in there, hey, I found this house on Zillow. They're like, oh Jesus, that house sold five years ago. So yeah, I mean, misinformation can be a real problem, and you got to be careful of that. But um, you know, I mean, it is a it's a compelling brand. It's a name that everybody's familiar with. And when I look at the top line sales, this is just not a, a business that's growing very fast. I mean, uh, annualized growth rate of four percent over the last four or five years. So to me, it's it's a neat little story. It's one that I definitely uh, enjoy following. But valuation concerns alone would keep me uh, on the sidelines today. Yeah, I, I have to agree. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if it's an ad-based business, I'll, I'm going to buy Google instead yeah. of a company that's living off ads rather than providing them. I mean, the growth in advertising is impressive year over year. But I, if I were looking at WebMD, I would be the thing I would be looking at is to what extent are they able to grow the membership business? Because if that goes from 16 to 20, you know, if that's going in the right direction mm-hmm. year over year. Then that gets me more interested, sort of the membership model as opposed to the advertising model. That said, certainly we've seen the advertising model succeed for web properties. Yeah, and I mean, I think the the subscription web side of the business, Facebook, right. <laughs> the subscription side of the business is also faced with you know a, 
a slew of competition with all of the health insurers uh, that, that are you know out there to United Health, Aetna, whatever else you know you can think of. And so they, it's not like they just own this market, but you know it, it's a good consumer-facing site where you can go learn a lot. Uh, but but that is that side of the business is what makes the money, and it's all dependent on advertising, which. You know, if I'm looking for an advertising play, I mean, I'm going to your Twitters, Facebooks, Googles of the world, not WebMD. Uh, before we wrap up, uh, two housekeeping things. First, uh, thanks to our special guest today, Steve Pinnaker, who's visiting from London. He's been traveling around the world over the past year, taking a little sabbatical from work, and he uh, dropped me a note, said he was going to be in the D.C. area, and he came by, and he brought tribute in the form of Doug Fish Head Pumpkin Ale. He knows what we like. We were talking yes. about this last that week. Is, that you, is an sir. observant listener, so thank you, Stephen, for that. Note um, to all future visitors. Yeah, I, you don't have <laughs> you to. Never, you don't have you to. Don't, like, we love it when people come to visit, come by Fool HQ, sit in on a taping. You don't have to bring anything. But we like it when Alms you do. Alms for the fools. We like it when you do. Probably walk out of here with a hat, I bet. <laughs> yeah. uh, last but not least, uh, we've got a special offer for our dozens of listeners on our flagship service, Motley Fool Stock Advisor. Um, and it's a great way to get started investing. And you can check it out simply by going to marketfoolery.fool.com. That's marketfoolery.fool.com. Special offer just for our listeners. So check it out. Thanks for being here, guys. Got Thank it. you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal records recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That does it for this edition of Market Fuller. The show is mixed by Ann Henry, whose mom is celebrating a birthday today. So Yay, happy birthday, birthday. Henry. Uh, I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.